week of softball in the books. There's another great week of softball coming up this weekend as well. Uh, welcome to the Four Corner Softball Podcast. I am Kyle Parmley, joined by Karen Johns today. Uh, Karen, we're getting into the meat of the high school season, the college season. There's so much good stuff going on right now. It's hard to it's hard to pay attention to all of them. There is, you know, because this is such a big time of the year because it has the most memorable imprint for the postseason. You know, you get wins in February, you get wins in March, but boy, wins in April really magnify themselves and stick out. And so, you know, you got you know, got the area play coming up. They're winding down that regular season. Um, we've got conference tournaments at the college level coming up. We have big in-state junior college games going on, jockeying for seeds for the state tournament. So much happening right now. Yes, so much happening. Um, and that's what we're here to to kind of give a little look at all of it. Uh, covering softball here in the state of Alabama at multiple levels. Um, and so let's start in the college ranks. We're going to lead off today's episode talking about the Auburn Tigers a little bit. Um, on Wednesday night, Auburn beats Troy 7-5. to five. Uh, K.K. McCreary has a big night. Maddie Penta gets a win in the circle. Auburn gets its 30th win of the season. That's not, that's not a number to sneeze at. Um, good mid midweek win for the Tigers as they uh, get ready for a big weekend series this weekend. Yeah, that was really – that's back-to-back -back quality wins. They won that third game at Florida, come back home. They beat Troy, and now they have the big series coming up with LSU because Auburn's playing for a lot right now. They want to work themselves to maintain a top 16 seed to host a regional. And they have the personnel, and they certainly have Maddie Penta in the circle to be able to do that. So that's why this series is so big for them to be able to get some good quality wins against the, you know a top 20 team. It's going to be really exciting times. I hope the fans come out and really enjoy some good softball. I'll be working the Friday and Sunday games, so I'll get front row seat and be able to really uh, dive in deep on that series. Yeah, awesome. That'll be great to to talk about that next week once you uh, lay eyes on that. And uh, you know, we've talked about we talked about Troy last week's episode. Um, they've been having a great a great run here lately. So a quality win, like you said, for Auburn. So that's. That's good. And, and we're going to talk about that that glut in the middle of the SEC that, um, man, we've, we're getting to that point where teams are really going to start to separate themselves. For sure. There's there's a log jam. You know, you have Tennessee and Georgia there at the top, but then, you know, in the SEC, it's like a log jam of teams that everybody expected to be, you know, in a much higher position. They're all vying for a position. And with the SEC tournament, what those teams are really shooting for. You want to be top four. You don't want to have to play the extra games going into that tournament. And really all the wins against conference teams are very beneficial as far as strength of schedule and how it affects the RPI. So, you know, LSU right now, that's the other positive for Auburn. LSU right now is leading the pack when it comes to RPI. They're number five. They've played a very tough schedule. So, Auburn has a great opportunity this weekend, but in the SEC in general, it's just a dogfight right now. Yeah, it really is. So uh, lots of big games, a few more big series coming up uh, for those those teams. I um, want to take a minute to thank our guys at uh, Scout Town Sports. Um, Mark Purvis and Matt Jones uh, do such a good job running the Scout Town uh, tournaments. Big summer plan for these guys. If you're playing on a travel team, you're coaching a travel team, you're involved in any way, uh, Scout Town Sports wants you to be a part of their summer. They've got three big tournaments. You know, end of May, May 26th to 28th in Montgomery, USA Scout Town Showcase. 
June 30th through July 2nd in Birmingham. You've got the, uh, sorry, the one in Montgomery is the USA Scout Town National Showcase. The one in Birmingham, the USA Scout Town Showcase, and then the Scout Town Capital City Showcase in Montgomery, July 28th through the 30th. Um, be sure to go check those out. Free showcase exposure camps run by college coaches who are also there recruiting the events. Um, and all those games, six innings, no time limits. I know they love those, those types of games. You get real quality uh, competition in those. Check them out, Scout Town Sports on Facebook. You can also go to their website, scouttown.sportengine.com. Um, so, yeah, we want to thank those guys for being a part of uh, the Four Corners Softball Pod this year. Um, and, Karen, now it's time to uh, talk to our special guest this week. We are speaking with Central High School head coach Mitchell Holt, uh, the Central Red Devils out of Phoenix City. Um, big news on this Thursday morning when we're recording. They are the new number one team in Class 7A. Um, that's a big weekend for them. So let's talk about it with Coach Holt. All right, we'd like to welcome in a special guest this week. We've got the head coach of the currently number one team in Class 7A, the Central Red Devils out of Phoenix City, uh, head coach Mitchell Holt with us today. Uh, coach Holt, uh, how you doing? You had a nice surprise when you woke up and saw the rankings this morning, didn't you? Yeah, I was in the middle of my first bus route, and I realized we were ranked number one. It was definitely a pleasant surprise, and I appreciate y'all having me on. Um, you know, it's – it's been a it's been years trying to get there and try to try to get our program where it needs to be and I know we'll talk about that as we go but it's it was definitely a special week and you know just to be recognized for the girls' accomplishments is, is something. Yeah, well let's let's talk about last weekend. Uh, you guys hosted your annual Sydney Cooper Invitational. Um, always bring great teams down there, mm -hmm. but but last weekend um, dodging some raindrops a little bit, so played a lot of games on Friday, but. Um, over a two-day period, you knock off Hewitt Trustful, Spain Park, and Thompson, uh, three of the best teams in 7A. Uh, just tell us about, you know, what you told the girls leading into the week and, and how you guys were able to navigate that. Well, coming off last year, we knew, you know, we could count on one hand how many teams beat us. So we knew we wanted to see them again, even if, you know, it didn't really matter how the game went. You want to play against the best. and. We knew that was going to be an opportunity. And then we had an injury uh, occur a couple of weeks ahead of time. And I was like, we're not changing it. We're still going to play them. Coming up, we had an area game uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we rolled into Hewitt Trustful on Thursday. And, you know, we just prepared our girls for, you know, what we were going to see and told them that's the closest thing to the state tournament as you're going to see until, you know, fortunately, if, if we're able to get there, see it in Oxford. Um, and so we had – I felt like we had realistic expectations. And the biggest thing was – you know, how do we respond to, to failure or, you know, to somebody coming out and, you know, quote unquote, punching you in the mouth and, you know, do you get up and do you, you bounce back or, you know, find out where we're at and find out in early April. And, you know, around here, you know, the measuring stick is Hewitt Trustful. It is Spain Park. It is Thompson because Hewitt Trustful has been the standard for the past five years and they still are the standard until, you know, somebody can beat them. Uh, year after year, they will remain that. And then, you know, on our side of the state, um, I've been around this since, you know, 2004, 2005. You know, there were times where we took teams to play Vestavia in the early 2000s or go play Hoover, and we were beat before we got off the bus. We were petrified to play those teams because they were far and away ahead of us um, because we still have slow-pitch softball leagues here. Um, and so, you know, we're fighting uphill battle to try to get – you know, our community involved in, in fast pitch. So, 
it's been a long journey. Um, and, and the biggest thing is, you know, I saw how the girls responded. You were there. Um, it was electric. Um, and, you know, you tip your cap to, the, to, to Hewitt that night because we responded, they responded, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And it could have went either way. But at the end of the day, you know, it was two really good teams going at it. And we rolled the next day and we wake up against Russellville and, you know, they, they had their number one back and she was spinning it. My leadoff came in there and told me, she said, the coach is floating. She said, you know, that was her, her explanation for that rise ball. And we, we didn't get going. Um, and then Spain Park jumped out on us and we responded there. And then of course Thompson was, it was electric at, at night. We were up, um, you know, we were up on them one nothing and then they hit a home run in the fifth and we were able to, or maybe in the sixth. And then we're able to come back. And then again, it was just, again, it was two really good teams playing. Um, and I was most proud of our girls that we didn't fold because we trailed in all those games. Um, and it would have been easy and we would have folded um, in years past. And, you know, like I told our local, our local news guy, the biggest statement that was made was the statement that we made to each other that, that we can play with, you know, the best of the best. And, um, you know, just because you can play with them doesn't guarantee you're going to win the next time you play, but it, it lets you know and have the confidence that, you know, you can you can play them and have a chance. And if you play well enough, you can come out on top. And that's something that, you know, in previous years we've lacked. We'd, we'd, we would win against Spain Park and then Hewitt would, would run rule us. Uh, and we couldn't never put it together, you know, especially over the course of 24 hours, we, we could never put it together. Um, but it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of kids, a lot of coaches, um, honestly, to, to chip away and get us here. And this team's, you know, the one being um, represented. But it's, like I said, it's been years of hard work to try to get us to a point where we can compete and have a chance against them. Yeah, absolutely. So now that, you know, I want to tell me what it means, you know, kind of, you know, big picture to have that number one ranking for the first time in program history. And at the same time, how are you going to, you know, encourage your girls to respond to it? Because you can be number one this week and, you know, a couple, couple bad games, then it's, you know, right back at square one. I, I told somebody today is, is, you know, you, you earned your paycheck, you know, you got, you, you got paid, you got number one. Now you got to go earn it. Okay. And, and, you know, I told them before this year, you know, cause a lot of teams around here, we were, fortunate enough to beat last year I said everybody's gonna give you their best um and and that's what you know against Spain Park and Thompson we saw their best and and now now you're really gonna get everybody's best we've got we Tumpka here on Monday so it'll be number one in 6A coming here and and they're they're very good every time we play them it's we have to fight back or you know it's, it's a battle and you know they got some excellent players on that team very talented um and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game, but that's like I told the girls this past weekend. That's why you work. That's why you practice. You don't practice to go just play teams that are inferior to you and beat you know beat them and think you've accomplished something. You go to play the best, and if you're afraid to compete, then you know it's probably not the place for you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, we'll we'll talk about this thing in a second, but Karen, I want to know. So you've we've all seen the the stadium that Central High School has got. What could what could you have done? with a facility like that in your day? Oh, my gosh. We probably would have thought we were in heaven. We wouldn't <laughs> even know we were still alive if we had a field like that. When I when I played high school, we played on the baseball field. We shared. So a lot of times, balls hit up the middle. I'd have a nice little hop playing shortstop because it would come right off the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh my gosh. So no, it's, it's awesome. And I, I've been to um, Columbus a lot for some U S events and that's when I was like, Oh gosh, our junior team's coming here. I've got to, okay. Somebody connect me, somebody connect me. Right. So I, Kyle, I think I actually asked you for contact information and uh, coach. It was like Heather Tarr is like, it, she still talks about you guys everywhere she goes. And so um, yeah, it's, it's just incredible. I think it's so well-earned, I think, not from just the player standpoint, but from the coach's standpoint, they they all work so hard. They put a lot of time into this. And um, to see a school that really commits tells you a lot about the leadership. And I think it's awesome. So much fun. Yeah, well, I want to know, like, it's got to be, um, we. I mean, like, obviously, so when you have the, when you have Team USA, interested in coming down and practicing at your facility just to to kind of think of you know I mean eight ten years ago that facility there you guys had a, a standard high school softball field just like anybody else and now um, over the last several years and upgrades and, and facility additions I mean what's it been like to see all of that kind of really come to fruition and to have what you guys have now yeah when when they came I think it was 2009 19, I called them Little Team USA and Big Team USA, and Little Team USA was coming, and you know, with Coach Tar and Coach Walton, it was like a real practice. It wasn't, you know, Big Team USA was more professional. You know, they get their self ready, but the, the cool thing was watching them practice, but it's still surreal that when, when teams walk in, whether it's, you know, college teams or Team USA, just to kind of hear what they say as they're walking in and and, and see it. And, and when they walked in, you know, now those kids that were on that – that 19U team, they're the best of the best in college softball now. They're they're all the names that you hear were on that team, um, and it was it's unbelievable to look back and see that talent they took. Um, big Team USA, they had to bring Monica Abbott in to pitch against them in that tournament because 19U Team USA was either tied or ahead of them at some point when they played. Um, and then I never, you know, the first time the team Big Team USA came in. It was 4th of July, and um, we, me and our AD now, Coach Bell, we were getting ready to, to eat and stuff like that. And I got a call, and they said, hey, they want to come over. Um, can you make it work? And I just – everything went on hold. You paused everything, and I called him. I said, hey, man. I said, what time are you eating? He said, we're going to eat at 5. I said, well, Team USA is coming in at 4. He said, well, we're not eating at 5. We'll be <laughs> up there. Um, and just to – you know, and the, the really cool thing is to see our kids um, – you know, meet their heroes. And that was that was the big deal. And we had some smaller um, little travel ball team come up and we had our girls come up and just to see, I mean, they had tears in their eyes meeting uh, Haley McClenney and, and Montana Fouts and Skylar Wallace when she was at Alabama. Um, and it was, it was you know, now they're, they're juniors here now. Um, and they're still starstruck, but not like a, a sixth grade, seventh grade starstruck like they were uh, then. But it's, it's a, it comes with a responsibility when you have facilities. Um, because it's not just about our kids. It's about any kid that gets to come here and play um, because this is our field, but at the same time, we owe it to to the game to to let people experience it because it is an experience. Um, and, and when it's rocking, whether we're winning or losing, it can be very loud. Um, and, you know, it, we need to share that with as many many kids as, as we can. Unfortunately, like I said, we've had colleges come through and, and both Team USA's come through. And then Team USA came this past summer again and you know, Coach Tarr, you know, our one of our seventh graders, she got to go be uh, the Batgirl for Washington when they played Georgia Tech because they connected here 
when they were in town in 19 and coach Tarf, do you remember Savannah? And, and, you know, if she walks up to her, she's going to Savannah, you know, and that's just the personal level of softball that you don't necessarily get with all other major sports. Well, coach, I am an advocate in trying to push for the baseball format to be yes, place for softball specifically so that they get a chance to come play on a field like that in a facility the crowd would be amazing. Absolutely. And you have so many more um, resources if weather goes bad, if there's delays. It makes sense, Coach. So I'm all Absolutely. on the bandwagon. So every week, I'm, yeah. you see my little drum in front of me? I do. I'm beating it. I do. It was just – it. and somebody asked me, you know, and, and different years call for different changes. And when we went to regional format, that was probably best at the time. Um, but now with facility upgrades and stuff, you know, I, I tell people, and when we're playing Hewitt, they said, that's got to be what it's like to be in the playoffs. I said, not really. I said, that was better than the playoffs because, and even the Thompson game, I said, because we're going to play at 10 o'clock in the morning and the only people that's going to be in attendance is our parents. Exactly. And you, exactly. Yeah. Bam, you nailed it right on and, the head. And I mean, you can, I get it. Everybody's having to travel, but if, say, you know, it was, us in Fairhope or us in Prattville or us in Auburn or whoever in the South, two out of three at any place at five o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed and the girls are going to get to experience that. And you can still have your state tournament and all that, but, and you know, two out of three, the better team wins, you know, in our current format, you can come across a pitcher that's hot. She can beat you one game, you know, whereas if you had to go two out of three, she may not better get you in game two and three. So I think there's a lot of, you know, people that support that and we're headed in that direction. It's just a matter of when it happens um, because it would be really, really awesome um, to host beyond the area tournament. You know, that's, that's as far as our, our seniors, we were fortunate to win the area tournament, our area last night. And I told them, I said, your last possible game gets to be played at your field, you know, and, but it would be, it would be really cool to see what, you know, some of these venues would be like you know, for a quarterfinal or semifinal matchup. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So I want to know what you – how you kind of see um, Class 7A this year. Um, we talked to Taylor Burt last week, uh, the Hewitt Trustful head coach, and and the unfortunate part of the, uh, the regional matchups this year is there's a lot of Birmingham area teams that – are going to be worthy of making the state tournament, but aren't necessarily going to be able to get there. Um, I mean, we talked about you guys beating three of them last week. So how do you see the way it stacks up? I mean, it, it's looking, I mean, to me, it just seems like there's, there's gotta be six or seven of you guys that, that on any given day would, would be very capable of winning the thing. Oh, I told somebody, you know, you know, we've rotated and a couple of years ago, it was us and as Vestavia and Hewitt in our region and it's rotated, but, Somebody asked me, said, you know, you're going to see all of them at state. I said, not all of them. If, if <laughs> us or whoever at our region is fortunate enough to make it, you're only going to see two of those folks, you know, and that's, we were, you know, looking back at their area and the standings up there and, and that's a dog fight. And, you know, and you can't, you can't put too much weight into the regular season area because it doesn't matter. You know, it, you know, are they really throwing their ones? Are they really going about it? How they're going to go about it in a few weeks? Because, you know, that's what we were playing Auburn last night and a coach and I were cutting up and he said, uh, she said, you, you got to be more focused on this game. I said, why? I said, we're going to do it again in, in three weeks and possibly the next night. And if we're both advanced, it could happen again at regionals. And guess what? If we're both really fortunate, we can do it in Oxford again. I said, so, you know, 
there has to be a point somewhere, and goes back to Karen's point, there has to be a point where when you beat a team, they're eliminated. You know, and, and we shouldn't be pitching off in, in top five matchups in the regular season. We shouldn't be pitching down because we're going to see each other in a few weeks in an area tournament. There has to be some um, – the regular season has to matter to some degree. Um, and that would get better matchups and you'd have number ones going against number ones if, if the playoffs or seeding to travel or at a host were, were involved. It would definitely make a difference. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the whole theory is you've got to win the one that matters. And I've seen some O in the area teams go to regionals and state because they won the game that matters. I've seen teams beat people in – regular season and area and the regionals and then get the state and lose one game to them and they're eliminated when they've beat them five times. And, you know, that's the format we have and you, you do the best you can with it, but all games should matter. You know what I mean? Um, you should, you should go at each other with your best on best every time. So to your original point, I, you know, that, that Birmingham regional is, is, you know, you can't predict it. Um, we've, we've seen Hoover, we've seen the teams we played last week. Um, and I can see any of them making it. You know, there's a couple other ones that we haven't seen that have the pitching, and on any given day, a pitcher can can shut an offense down, and anything can happen. Honestly, um, but who's the the front runner? I, I couldn't tell you. After the teams we played, I couldn't tell you who's the best one. I, I think it's it can it's wide open, honestly. Um, and whoever you know gets hot on in Oxford, they'll be the state champion more than likely. You know, um, it's not going to necessarily be who's the best team throughout the season. It's going to be who's hot those two days, and that, that's who will be the state champion. Yep. You're right. I think it's well, four weeks away now, so that time is closing in quickly. Um, I want to know about the pride of being able to see – I mean, because Central Softball has sent dozens of players to play at the next level um, over the last several years. Um, and in particular, last year, you know, two of your outfielders – McKinnon Howard and Kristen White, you know, they they went back and forth center and left field um, for years because both of them were good enough to hold down center field. But, you know, you wanted to give them a timeshare. And now McKinnon's player of the week at Wallace State, you know, she was conference player of the week a couple of weeks ago. And Kristen White is starting at Alabama. So, I mean, just the two of them, and I mean, you had a handful last year. Just mm -hmm. what's that like to be able to, you know, see products of your program get out and play into the next level like they are? I, I had tears in my eyes at, at, in fall at Rhodes when starting lineups were called out and they were Wallace was playing Alabama. And just to see, you know, the hard work pay off and their dreams come true is, 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 is so rewarding. That's why we do what we do. You know, you see them through the good times and the bad, and they don't always see the light at the end of the tunnel. But our, our job is to kind of guide them there. And the biggest job we have is to make them believe that they can get there. And we knew early on, um, you know, that they both had the ability to – to do what they did last year and to, to do what they're doing now. Um, you know, and, and, and Kristen in seventh grade, she started for us and, and McKinnon started out as a courtesy runner. And, you know, we, I used to say she's got pixie dust somewhere because she would have a read and she'd somehow be safe. And, um, you know, what we witnessed last year with them two at the top of the order, I told them at our banquet, I said, this is like state history stuff. You may not ever see a one and two that do it like this. Um, and to see, you know, where they're at now, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, Kristen was on the ESPN top five plays for the play she made down in Florida and, you know, and, and uh, McKinnon doing what she did last week. We watched it. You know, I got to watch it for six years. And so, you know, the diving catches and stuff, even in our own crowd, they ooh and ah, 
we they did it every day at practice. So I'm proud of them, but I'm not surprised by it. Um, it's it, you know it, we got to to witness it. You know I I, t- I told uh, Chris and I get to be a fan now. You know and and Coach Owens and, and Murph they get to to do the hard part of coaching. Now I get to sit back and and watch it all and just enjoy it. Where you know for six years it was on us to to prepare them, but we knew we knew we would sit on the bus and they'd make plays and go up there and we were like we got you know literally two Division One outfielders at the top of our order out there running down balls in the outfield um and we, we we knew at the time what we had so we were able to enjoy it and like i said just the biggest thing is just seeing both of their dreams come true through the hard work and through the setbacks and you know it's just that's the best part of it yep and then you know fast forwarding towards as we look toward the end of this season um you've got i love the t- i love your team's dynamic this year because you've got some you've got some older experienced players but so much of your core is underclassmen and you know how do you how do you see that that balance kind of work together and and what do you hope that you know some of those younger ones are able to to kind of you know play within themselves and and keep keep everything rolling in the right direction as we go i think the biggest thing is playing at the state tournament last year. Um, we played at 19, and we had a really good team in 20 that didn't get the opportunity to – like all teams didn't get the opportunity to, to go back-to-back to, back to get there. The first time you get there, you can, it can kind of be overwhelming. And I think that's what – you know, last year, credit to Hoover, we came off a loss. They were coming out of lose bracket off the win, and we didn't respond well to our loss to Thompson. In those first few innings, they jumped out on us, and it was a lead that we couldn't catch up. Um, you know, any given time – most games we're starting six kids in the tenth grade and under. Um, we're starting, a, you know, three or four upperclassmen, but most games is six, you know, six kids in eighth, ninth, and tenth grade, and they've grown up fast. Um, and that's what is, you know, what it's going to take um, to go where we want to go because, you know, our area, you know, um, Auburn has the pitching. Smith is always tough. Um, you know, in the past five years, they both have third-place finishes at state, uh, so they know what it takes to get there. And then you go to regionals um, against, you know, a couple more top-ten teams. Um, you know, and on any given day, anything can happen. The biggest thing is, you know, we just have to, you know, respond to, to poor at-bats, respond to a poor inning, and that's ultimately going to determine, you know, our success, how we're going to respond to failure. And failure comes in all forms, and that's our challenge this year, and it's been a challenge all year is just, how do you going to respond to failure? And, and we didn't do a good job of it at state last year, and we finished fifth. Whereas if we were responded, we may have played on day two, and that's the that's the goal. Um, we don't sit there and talk about winning the state championship. You you got to get there, and then you got to get to day two. If you get to day two, it's anybody's ball game because everybody's tired, everybody's there. The moment you know you're in the fight, and you just see what see what happens if you make it to day two. Yeah, Karen, what you got for Coach Holt? Well, let's see. The first thing I thought of this morning when I was trying to like wrap my head around it, talk us through just a little bit on if you had to say these were the three things that mattered most in this journey that you've been on with this group. And I know the group changes each year, but with this program, should I say, what were like two or three things that you just held tight to saying each each new seventh grade group kind of being infiltrated into the program. What were those things that you stayed true to the whole time through to arrive to this morning when it popped up, you know, whoever told you on the bus? I 
Gotcha. Um, the, the biggest thing is, you know, being selfless and, and getting over your stats and, and what you do. Um, you know, I tell them all the time, especially showcases and travel ball, that's about you. You know, some travel ball teams compete for championships and it's a little different, but this is about what we can accomplish. And, and I tell them all the time, I've never had a coach from any level, JUCO all the way up, come to me and ask me for stats. They don't ask. Um, the paper wants to know, your parents want to know, and the kid wants to know. Other than that, stats don't matter near as much as people think they do. Um, the ability matters and what you can accomplish. And I've been fortunate to hire really good coaches and have really good help. Um, and that, that They all believe in the fundamentals. Um, and in this group, you know, like the groups that's preceded them, and they've had, you know, a parent along the way that's really taken interest in coaching them at a young age and kind of getting them ready to come to high school and, and have these years. And, and they all focused on the fundamentals more so than, than anything. Um, they actually had practices um, multiple times during the week to get them used to practice. And, you know, so the, the two biggest things are don't overlook the small things, the fundamentals, win and lose important ball games. Um, and then, you know, being part of a team is more important than what you can accomplish by yourself. And, and that's what, you know, it's hard for this generation because everything's, you know, here's my Twitter, here's my stats, here's this, here's that. But I told this team a couple last week, matter of fact, before we played Hewitt, I said, recognition comes to individuals that are on really good teams. You know, it, the further you go as a team, the more recognition you're going to get individually um, because of what the team accomplishes. And, you know, we, we've really done it well the past couple of years uh, of, of pouring into somebody else, you know, and I, and I tell the girls all the time, you know, you, you're living life when you're pouring into somebody else, when your rewards come from what you can do for somebody else. And, you know, you see their happiness and it comes back to you um, tenfold. And, and because you're going to struggle. And on the days you're struggling, somebody's pouring into you and you may be over, you pour into those other people because your time is going to come and whatever you've paid for will come back to you. And I believe that with all my heart. Um, and, you know, it's not a place for selfish uh, teammates. And that's the biggest thing is it takes all of us. And, you know, this past week is a testament to some kids stepping up that a few weeks ago you know, they didn't have that role. They were not in that role, but, you know, they were able to step up when their opportunity presented itself, you know, and I tell them all the time, you know, preparation doesn't guarantee success, but not being prepared guarantees failure. You know, you can do everything right and still be unsuccessful, but if you don't put forth effort and your attitude's bad, when the opportunity presents itself, you're not going to be successful. Um, and so, you know, we try to preach those things and, you know, we try to, Try to have good kids and teach them the right ways and let the field take care of itself. Well, that sounds great because that's exactly true. I remember sitting in an airport with Skip Burtman. We were all stuck traveling, I believe, to Arkansas. And he told us that he used to, he was known for his videos, you know, who showed pump up videos and highlight videos of all great plays and not just of his own players, but the mm -hmm. one video he said he always showed to create that team like you're talking mm -hmm. about was all the national players of the years in the different sports and college level who didn't win a national championship. Right. And they all said the same thing. They would give it back tomorrow. They would give it back yesterday. They would give it back today if they could trade 
and be in the championship. So I thought that was really cool. Like he he really took notice of that. And that reminded me of what you were just saying. And that's that's why you're good. That's why that's why you just had the weekend that you just had. Yes, and man. then not only had the weekend that you had, you bounced back and put it on Auburn High School. That's oh, not yeah. easy to do because you could have the emotional hangover. But your guy, your the energy from this team is incredible. My last question. I ask this to every guest. Um, tell us what is your greatest joy in coaching softball and what is the hardest challenge for you? Uh, the hardest challenge is, is probably, again, separating, you know, their success on the field, determining who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. um, because not only with our, with our players, but our parents too, what happens on the field dictates how their day is. And it couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. They've chosen a game that's built on failure. And, you know, I told one last night, I said, she's committed to UAB and she hadn't been hitting to her standard. Still hitting over 400, but not to her standard. And I, and I told her, I said, you're going to play six more years of this. I said, there's going to be days, there's going to be weeks, there could be months where you struggle. How you handle that struggle determines your success, you know, how you handle your failure. Um, and so the, the hardest thing is getting them to separate the softball player versus the person. Um, and, and once they're able to do that and relax and realize it's two totally different things, um, success follows when they, you know, and it comes with maturity. Um, the biggest joy, like we said earlier, is just seeing them feel their dreams um, and having goals and, and letting them reach those goals. And, and just, you know, when they accomplish things that they don't think they're capable of, but you know, they are, um, you know, that's, that's the why you coach is to, is to help them get there. And when they don't believe in themselves, you still show that you believe in them. And that's, you know, when we have alumni text us back and they say, you know, thank you for believing in me when I didn't believe in myself, that's the best, you know, that's, that's, the, that's bigger than last week. I know some people won't, won't, won't think that's the same, but you know, those wins with, with the person and the kid is, is more, more valuable than anything we accomplished on that field because at the end of the day it ends and the kid becomes the young lady becomes a mom becomes you know part of a family and you know those those lessons and those values are more important than winning the softball game winning softball is a byproduct of of doing the right thing and being good people yep awesome thank you yeah. yes ma'am yeah that's good stuff i mean you know, just personally, having been around your team for the last handful of years, I mean, you you are able to strike that balance of being able to expect a lot out of them, demanding a lot out of them. Um, but at the same time, like every single one of them leaves the field, you know, that day or, or after their career's over and, you know, appreciates what was asked of them when they were when they were at Central in that program. And, and I know that um, that's something that that I notice and, and, and love to see because um, like you said, the, there's so much more valuable. There's so much more value in um, whether or not you got a couple hits that night or something. Yeah. Um, and I know you, you like central alumni that, I mean, they've got a track record of, you know, they leave that program and um, go on and, and be, you know, great, great members of society. So um, yeah, no, I, I think you, you should, be commended on that. Um, your program's done it, done it the right way for a long time. And, um, you know, any of the other coaches I talk to, um, they all respect what you guys do as well. So, Means uh, a lot. yeah, you, you've got a good thing going there. And now it's, now it's up to y'all to keep it rolling.
Yeah, yeah. Now, now really hard work begins. Um, let me give a shout out to the choir. Um, you know, we got some choir members. That's our dugout. Um, they're not able. They're not able to play this year for different reasons, um, mostly due to injury. But they never fail to show up and make a difference. And like I tell them all the time, what they do in the dugout is just as important as what Allie does in, in the circle or Garrett or um, you know is doing at the plate or Cam's doing at the plate. Um, they we're not the same without them. Um, you know, and, and Kyle Harrison told me I had to mention his name. Um, so, so I didn't want to hear it from him if I didn't mention his name. So shout out to Harrison and, and the choir. So without them, we're not, we're not complete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Karen, like I know we've talked about this before. I think we talk about it a lot with like um, when we talk to AJ Doherty and, and how like at Wallace state, you've got to have the buy-in from the full team, not just the starting nine. Like what he's talking about this there are a hand, there's a handful of girls that that like they don't really have to be at every practice and every game, but they they that that doesn't has not even entered the picture. Like they're there and they are like they're just as valuable as anybody else on the team. And um, like you can't you can't fake that kind of that kind of energy and, and fashion. Well, I love the fact that you have helped them understand that they're championships don't assign value to roles they don't say you know this value this is valued more because it takes all of it all of it. it and you remove one of those little pieces whether it's that kid on the bench talking about the changeup that's coming or that kid on the bench that's saying you know giving the encouraging word to the pitcher who maybe doesn't have her best stuff that day all of that matters and at some point in time Someone does get hurt. Someone does have a sickness. Someone does have this. Who's going to step in? And if they're not valuing their role, it's not going to be a good filler. It's going to be a, oh, man, we really lost a lot there. You don't see that with your team. You don't see that with your team. And it, and it shines through. And I think it's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a, the choir is something special. It's a lot of a lot of other teams they either love us or hate us, but all of them ask are they really over there singing? Because we do cheers, but oftentimes we'll break in just to a concert. And I, I had to let them know we were in Jacksonville and they were just singing random songs. And I said, whatever songs you sing have to pertain to what we're trying to do. To so they they've remixed everything to make it about softball in some way. So, I love it. I love the singing yeah. better than the cheers anyway. It drives me crazy. I, it drives Maybe me. we'll send you a concert DVD one day. They, Absolutely. I think, I think you should start selling them. Do it. Do it for a fundraiser. Get you a new case of softballs, man. That's right. You need you need to much as they cost these days. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. No, that's good stuff. Well, hey, uh, Mitchell, we really appreciate you coming on today. Um, it's great timing uh, with, with you guys getting up to number one this week. Um, hopefully that's something that's a momentum that you guys can can keep rolling the rest of the way here as area play winds down and, and postseason right is right around the corner. Um, so yeah, no, we really we really appreciate you coming on. I love the facility, love everything you got going on down there. Um, keep going strong. Well, we appreciate what y'all are doing here, and Kyle, I appreciate what you do. Um, you know the travel and the the endless hours that you put in to posting the scores and stuff. It makes a difference. It's, it's I check it no matter if we're playing or not, just to see how the rest of the state's going. And prior to that, we didn't have access to that. We had to dig really, really hard to try to find a score, even if it's 20 minutes up the road. But you putting it all together and, and pushing, um, you know, what you do is, is, is appreciated across the state and especially here.
Well, I appreciate you saying that. It, uh, guys like you and, and programs like yours are, are what make that enjoyable. So thank you. Um, that's Coach Holt on the Four Corner Softball Pod. Hey, Barry Break here with Four Corner Softball Podcast. We're inside today. I was fixing to load up, headed to the ball game today. Rain has got us. Uh, it's knocking a lot of people out on this Thursday morning. So I've got myself surrounded with a few little toys right here. I might find somebody to play catch with me a little bit later on. Or, hey, I might go out and take some BP myself. Uh, I've got my softballs here. got my batting helmet here. But since the rain has got us pushed inside today, I thought I'd take a minute and talk to you about my good buddy Johnny Franklin and the Heart of Dixie Softball Tournament. The Heart of Dixie Softball Tournament originally started somewhere around the year of 2016, and Johnny has told me the purpose or the reason that he started the Heart of Dixie Softball Tournament and the free camp that goes along with it is to give, give kids a chance to get in front of college coaches with very minimal expense, thus the free camp, and cutting team fees down to try to get more teams involved. So he did this in the beginning to, to help kids get in front of these college coaches here in central Alabama. And speaking of his free camp, which is enticing a lot of people to be part of the Heart of Dixie softball tournament, Angel Brown, who is the head softball coach at Northwest Shoals Community College, coordinates his camps for him. She runs the camp. There's usually around 25 to 30 other college coaches uh, that are involved in the camp. And since the beginning of the Heart of Dixie in 2016, roughly 3,000 kids have run through the camp. And even though you're looking at 25 to 30 college coaches working the camp, there are more coaches that show up to recruit during the actual tournament play. And yes, numerous kids have been offered and been able to go and play in college simply being by being found uh, in the Heart of Dixie softball tournament. The Heart of Dixie uh, tournament runs twice a year. Uh, Johnny has a tournament in the summer and he has a tournament in the fall here in central Alabama. The same weekends each year. Uh, this summer it's going to be July the 9th and 10th and in the fall it will be October the 7th and 8th. So you can look at your calendar next year, those same weekends, whatever the coordinating dates are. Um, Harder Dixon will be running at that time so you can make your, uh, make your plans. And another thing a lot of people don't realize is uh, each year Johnny is looking at about 60 to 70 teams in different classifications that will participate in the Harder Dixie softball tournament. Um, again, you got a lot of college coaches coming in to work the free camp that he has beforehand and you've got coaches that stay there and recruit during the tournament. You know, and a lot of people don't realize this. It's one thing that I've always said. Don't don't worry. Like we're not all SEC. We're not all Division Two. We're not all Division Three. NAI. What have you? Find your fit. Find where you fit in a program. Because there's there's tremendous softball at all different levels across the state. For more information on the Heart of Dixie softball tournament you can go to usa softball check out their website usa softball of alabama uh, you can search the tournament you can get more information about that you can also go on facebook um, go to heart of dixie softball page uh, heart of dixie exposure tournament i believe on facebook and you'll find pictures you'll find lots more information you'll find dates for the tournament and all that uh, we appreciate Johnny Franklin being a sponsor right here with the Heart of Dixie Softball Tournament on the Four Corner Softball Podcast. Uh, the sport is growing and continues to grow, and this is just another example right here 
of a tournament over the last several years that has grown along with the sport. Harder Dixie Softball. Check them out. All right, it's time now to uh, go around the horn for some four corners, um, four topics that we'll hit on throughout the state. Um, first base, let's start with a recap and a look ahead of what Alabama and Auburn have going on. Last weekend, Alabama gets a series win over South Carolina. Um, they win the first two. You would have liked to have swept, but they take two out of three from the Gamecocks. Um, and Auburn, on the other hand, they drop the first two to Florida, but um, play much better in the series finale and win 7 nothing. So, um, Karen, how did you uh, – what were your impressions of those two series last weekend? Well, I thought both teams – I thought Auburn had a chance to win two or three and they, they probably should have. Um, I, I thought they should have won game one. Um, just could not push a run across when they needed it. And, uh, you know, Alabama did exactly what is becoming pretty norm for them. They're winning both games with pouts in the circle. And uh, so that was no surprise. Um, it, it definitely wasn't a surprise that they didn't sweep. Goburn for South Carolina is exceptional. She's a really good pitcher. Um, but I think both are now in a position where this coming weekend, Alabama traveling to Mississippi State, Alabama's in a really good position right now. They're at 14 RPI. They're number eight in the strength of schedule. What Alabama can't do is their toe on the road, though. They need to go win that series and come home because you want to stay in that top 16 range in that RPI. Not that RPI is everything when it comes to the seeding, but it has, you know, it plays a big part in what's what they're looking at. And then for Auburn, they got they they need to work and fight for these quality wins so that they can get in the 16. You know, right now they're not in that 16 range. Their strength of schedule is hurting them a little bit. They're 29th in the country. They're 25th RPI. So this LSU series, who LSU is sitting at the top of the heap in the SEC with the number five RPI, number 10 strength of schedule. These are quality wins for an Auburn program at home to capitalize on. Yeah, yeah, big games. We talked about it at the, at the start, but I think it's six of the 13 SEC teams are all separated by one game or less in the conference standings right now. I mean, it is, it's crunch time to make, determine whether or not you're going to be in the top half or the bottom half of the league. They are fighting because they want to get a top four seed when it comes to that SEC tournament. So this week, these next few weeks are just going to be absolute dogfights. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so big SEC series coming up for both of those. Um, let's move on to second base. Um, down in the Division II ranks, um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, midweek, AUM, Auburn-Montgomery, they go to North Georgia, the number one team in the nation, and split a doubleheader. And uh, it's an impressive road win for the Warhawks. Um, they won the second game of that 4-3. to three. Chloe Derrick hits a home run, drives into uh, Molly Cobb, who you coached a long time ago. Two hits, drives in a run. Um, and Avery Dickerson pitched really well for AUM as well. Um, that's a big deal when you can go on the road and get a win over, over the top team in the land. It really is. Beating the number one team is a huge feat, but beating them on the road is a whole other level of greatness. Yeah. And they had it that day. You know, they played well. They hit the ball well. Um, Dickerson, she gave up some hits. She gave up nine hits, but she scattered those around, only giving up the three runs. She had five Ks. Um, you know, the thing I noticed with her is she doesn't walk people. No mm -hmm. walks. Yep. So, you know, the nine hits don't hurt you when there's no free passes. So that was really good. Great showing. Really something good for them to build off of getting ready for, uh, you know, conference tournament, conference play. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, AUM still trying to um, really get their feet under them under first year coach Scotty Wilkes. Um, but they, you know, we mentioned the road win. They're 14 and 0 at home and lost at home. Um, but you start to get some of that mojo going on the road as well. And uh, we know this team is as talented as any in D2 and, and could be a threat um, heading down the road. Definitely. No doubt about it. They've got the personnel, they've got the pitching. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of playing right at the right time. And, and it seems like they are right now. Yeah, absolutely. I want to take this moment to thank our friends at First Choice Properties. Um, you have a rental property that you need someone to manage. You can work with someone local. First Choice Properties, they've got a premier property management team, experienced in all the details of day-to-day -day management. If you've got a house in Jefferson, Shelby, St. Clair, or Tuscaloosa counties in the central Alabama area, um, these folks, you can rest easy knowing you're working with professionals who are passionate about maximizing your investment. Check out Alabama's most trusted single-family property manager at firstchoiceproperties.com. You can also call them at 205-433-9811. First Choice, they value integrity. They're responsive. They're trustworthy. Great people there. We want to thank them for being a part of what we're doing here as well. So uh, moving on to third base, uh, we want to hit a little Juco ball because there's a big series this weekend when it comes to the, the standings in the North. Wallace State and Sneed State are one and two in the Juco, uh, the state standings, and they're facing off this weekend. They play two games on Thursday, which has probably already happened by the time you hear this, and then two more on Saturday to complete that four-game set. Uh, these four games, Karen, are going to go a long way to uh, possibly determining some seeding for the state tournament here in a few weeks. Yes, and these two teams are playing really well right now. Wallace State is 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They've won nine straight. Yeah. You got Seed State, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. So not only do we have the Clash of the Titans, but the Titans are playing their best softball. So it's going to be so exciting. I wish we were going to be out there today, Kyle. Yep. I mean, this series is going to be a good one. Um, and like you mentioned, like Wallace has uh, really picked it up. You know, we talked about um, Marion Military that got off to such a good start. And then, you know, they've lost a few series. But I will say they played Wallace State last week. And two of those games were one nothing wins for Wallace. And Kenley Bolton threw phenomenal games in both of those games, only giving up a run over her six, seven innings of work. Um, so that North division is, is really good when you consider, we talked about Wallace and Snead, MMI is, is right there playing, um, you know, right with these teams. Um, so I, I got a sneaky feeling this, the state tournament in May is going to be kind of fun. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, the thing with Wallace is that, you know, three of their last four games are shutouts. They're mm -hmm. shutting people down. So, yes. you know, when your pitching's going well, you're going to go a long way. And so, you know, Marion's a tough team. You know, they bounce back after being shut out, won, won that middle game, come back, and we get shut out again. So, you know, it's 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 very interesting to see. I still I still put my money on Wallace. I think I think they're the team to beat, but it's going to be interesting to see, and I can't wait to hear the, the results of the Sneed State games. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like you mentioned, like Wallace State's pitching staff right now is Emily Simon's throwing great. Katie Simon's throwing great. Olivia Wilkin threw a great game last weekend. And, uh, you know, when we talked to Carson Owens a couple of weeks ago, um, he mentioned a few others. You know, Tessa Words been throwing it well. I mean, they, they've got that pitching staff. And um, that's something that you, you see, you know, you, it's hard to ride one arm all the way to a championship. Well, the first thing I look at, Kyle, when I see teams shutting people out and I see teams winning those kind of games, 
is the walks column and they don't walk anybody goose eggs all across the board yeah. and that is the difference in winning the one nothing game and losing you know the two one game it mm -hmm. makes a huge difference and uh they're getting it done in the circle and like i said well i i just can't wait to hear tonight and hear the results of this first you know matchup yeah uh, one more college note before we move on. Uh, UAB heading to Arkansas this weekend. You both teams get a little break from conference play. Um, you know, going out there, that Arkansas is is going to be the favorite in this series. But from from your perspective, Karen, when you're when you're AJ Doherty and your UAB, what do you want to see from your group when you go out there and play a a team that is as high caliber as that? Well, I think what he can show them is, you know, they just they're coming off the midweek central. Arkansas lost. Central Arkansas has now swept Arkansas in the regular season midweek series. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's going to show them that they're vulnerable, that they can be beat. But you're also walking into a park that plays really differently. It's a home run park. The ball carries in the out of the yard really well. And so the big thing I think that you look for there in that series is can how can what do we control are we keeping the ball in the park are we limiting our walks are we you know you want to build on those things against a pretty high level team i mean they're they're struggling right now they've lost three of their last four they lost the series to georgia but you know the thing that that you'll see is that can we control certain elements of the game which is going to help us get ready to go back into conference play yeah yeah absolutely um, so interesting to see what the, uh, the college ranks look like this upcoming weekend. Um, with third base, I want to, uh, or with home plate, excuse me, that was third base. Home plate, let's talk about some high school teams. Uh, Central out of Phoenix City, number one for the first time in program history. We talked about those th that week they had last week. On Thursday night, they beat Hewitt Trustful 12 to 9, followed that up on Friday with wins over Spain Park and then a win over Thompson. And Coach Holt didn't – he didn't go all the way into it. But the fight that his team had to show to win that Thompson game was unbelievable because they scratched across a run in the first. And then he mentioned the home run that was hit against them by Kaylee Clemens to give Thompson the lead. Central rallies back in the following inning. And then Thompson had multiple chances in the seventh and the eighth innings to, to win the game. And Central just just held it down long enough. We're able to scrap and claw and win that game. And and man, just uh, really cool to to see the Red Devils number one for the first time in program history. Yeah, and I think the thing about his teams that stand out the most too, other than they win a lot, is they play good defense. And so, you know, they're giving up some runs here and there, but in those tight ball games, they seem to be able to make the plays when they need to. And that's the difference. And I think a lot of that reflects on listen, his interview about how he tries to separate the player from the person and that the person is much larger than the player. So I think when they go through adversity in the games, they have a good sense of who they are as people. And that gets them through the hard times in those games, because those were killer games that they went through all the way through, you know, this week, those, those were not easy wins. Those were really tough. They came from behind. So, yeah, uh, I, I say, you know, people say, well, it's early, you know, you got to do it when it counts. They learned how to do it. So when it does count, oh. and that's the key, that's the key. That's a great point. Um, and then, you know, we talked about how there's a handful of teams in 7A. Let me read off to you the top seven in class 7A in this week's rankings. Central's number one, 
Vestavia Hills, Hewitt Trustful, Fairhope, Thompson, Spain Park, Hoover. That's one through seven. And if you told me any of them was going to win the state championship in a month, I wouldn't bat an eye. Like I would completely be like, makes sense. Like I, it's totally possible. So that is going to be, that's going to be a wild ride coming down the stretch. It is going to be a wild ride. And again, we, we harp on this, but we can't harp on it enough because until things change, uh, the format does not lend its hand well to the best teams being in the final eight in Oxford. So that's why this next three weeks is going to be so important in what yeah. happens because some of these teams are going to be left out and yeah. it's unfortunate, but if you want to get out and see really good softball, you need to get out to these area tournaments and you need to get out to these regional tournaments because there is going to be some heck, heck of a softball level played. And I cannot wait for it to happen. Yep, exactly. And even when you throw in like Tuscaloosa County is number eight right now, that is six out of the top eight and only Two of those will make the state tournament out of those six. And that is really unfortunate. It really is because it doesn't represent the best of uh, being able to have that opportunity. But the thing is, is that it's a level playing field, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to go into that area tournament knowing, and everybody's got to go into those regional tournaments knowing. And so you've got to go play your best and then you know, you don't get to breathe because now you make it to the final eight and then you got to go try and beat some more good teams. Yep, absolutely. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch um, <clears throat> as we go to here. You know, the last few weeks, I was looking at it earlier today. I think the state tournament starts in a little over four weeks. So that is, that's crazy to think about. There's a lot of really big softball games coming up in terms of the high school season. Uh, Karen, one last thing. I want to do our team spotlight this week. I want to talk a little bit about Orange Beach High School. Um, this team has won back-to-back -back state championships. Uh, they were in 2A, and now they've made the jump to Class 4A, um, where they've been kind of in that 1-2 that range with Curry most of the year so far. Um, this team, two years ago, Daigle Wilson hits a walk-off homer in the state championship game as a seventh grader. Last year, Ava Hodo gets a big hit to win the state championship. These two, I mean, their whole core is so young. It's, it's a bunch of ninth and 10th graders now that were winning state championships as middle schoolers. And it, it's, it is something to behold. I got to go spend some time with them at a practice a couple of weeks ago. And the, the school, the team, they finally have a senior. This is the first year they've got one senior on the team. Uh, just a, a growing community, growing school. Um, they finally got a senior, and, I mean, head coach Shane Alexander, you've got um, Jody Hodo and Caitlin Boyd down there coaching them up as assistants. I mean, this team, man, that, they're going to be hard to beat in 4A. They're going to be really hard to beat, and that's what's cracking me up is, oh, we'll jump to 4A. No big deal. We're 4-0 in region. We've yeah. already won 27 games. I mean, they don't miss a beat, but, you know, it's it, winning breeds winning, and I remember those yeah, Hewitt Trustful teams making those runs. Those were some young kids making some big hits in those moments too. And, you know, then they grew up to be seniors and got even bigger hits. So, yeah, it's going to be real, a lot of fun to see them. Um, I would assume Orange Beach won't stay 4A for very long. It's a great <laughs> place to live. It's growing like a weed down there. But each climb for them gets better and better, and they are very well coached, no doubt about it. They have a very good coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and great support on the school side. I mean, our Michael Lee, who we've known for years, he was 
principal at Clay Chalkville High School for 10 years. He's the principal down there now. So you've got a guy that has a vision and knows how to knows how to execute that kind of stuff. He does, and he understands what championships look like. He knows he knows the, I guess you would say the blueprint of the people involved. You know, he's seen it at the football level. He's seen it at he's seen it all levels at Clay Chalkville. Mm -hmm. So I think that gives those coaches an advantage because they have somebody they can talk to that gets it. He understands it. And I think it's an awesome opportunity for all those coaches at that high school. Oh, yeah. So keep an eye on the Makos. They're going to be a team to contend with. I mean, like I said, right now, Curry and Orange Beach have kind of separated themselves as the top two in 4A. But 4A is also one of the deepest classes in terms of quality teams. So, um, yeah, going to be a fun a fun stretch run with those teams. Um, but, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Orange Beach will be up in Hoover uh, next weekend. So for the Hoover Classic. So if um, you're around this uh, Birmingham area and want to check out, check them out, they'll be around. Um, really good team. So I uh, wanted to talk about them a little bit as we uh, sign off here. Karen, any any final thoughts as we head into another big weekend here in the middle of April? No, the weather's great. So get your lawn chairs and get out there and see these young women play. It's such a high level of softball. We're so blessed in this city of Birmingham and the surrounding areas to be able to see so many top quality players and great coaches, great programs. So get out there and watch these young ladies play. Absolutely. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Four Corners Pod. Uh, great stuff today, Karen. I always appreciate your insight. Um, great conversation with Mitchell Holt. So uh, be sure to listen to that. Uh, be sure to share this podcast. Anybody that you know that is a fan of softball and has any interest in any level of it throughout the state, um, hopefully they can find something here to uh, to take in and enjoy. So um, like it, like this video, video audio platforms. You can find it everywhere: YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Um, subscribe to the show. And uh, yeah, Karen, hey, have a great weekend and we'll see you next time. All right, Kyle, you too. Take care.